And now, as I complete this ritual, Scotty will be dead and the podcast will be mine. <laughs> Fun fishing! It's great to be back! Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the weekly podcast. Uh, Brenna, Brenna, I feel weird. Why do you feel weird? Brenna, did you try to, did you like try to kill me I don't, just now? What are you, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I feel it's like. It's just whittle old me, Scotty. I'd never do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to bust right in. Hey, y'all, it's just whittle old me. Don't worry about it. I legitimately, for the entire, or until it revealed that he had a dad. Oh my god. I thought Lil' Gideon was just like a small man. I mean, and- I could see where you think that because he does remind me of every single, like, preacher that I've ever known in my whole entire Southern Baptist life. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> when he goes to Mabel and he's just like, you sweet girl, would you do me the honor of going on a date with me? I'm like, you fucking pedophile. Get away. <laughs> and then finally it, re- it revealed that was the biggest reveal of the show. So I'm only a quarter of the way through. But the biggest reveal so far has been the fact that Lil Gideon was actually a child. He's- the fact that he is, in fact, Lil. Yeah, I've I've got a love hate. I feel like he's going to be. Actually, given the clip I just watched, I may be wrong, but I was going to say he may be like the Steve Harrington of the series where uh, I hate him and think he's just a little <laughs> shit and then he gets better. But the clip I just watched of uh, him summoning Bill might might not be correct. I don't... Uh, you, uh, they both have amazing hair, but I think you're way off on the, the Steve Gideon like comparison. comparison. Yeah. I, d- I do have a love-hate relationship of with Lil... K- oh, we're talking about Gravity Falls, by the way. Uh, Not just Lil' K- <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with that little puke. Because, like, there are scenes where I'm just like, Oh, look at Willow here. And then there are scenes where I'm like, Eat a dick, Gideon. I just want to smush his little cheeks, but also, like, throw him down a well, if that makes sense. Also, I'm happy I finally watched this show so I could understand all the people on the Adventure Zone, like, Twitters, who were just like... Gravity Falls is amnesty. It is amnesty, and Grunkle Stan is 100% Ned Chicane. He is, but what's amazing is, is that Clint, I mean, had no idea. He just, like, that was in his brain, and, like, but it's Grunkle Stan. Like, 100%. So, purely off accident, the Adventure Zone was like, oh, we're just gonna make Gravity Falls, but for grown-ups, I guess? Yeah, it's just amazing, because the mystery shack and everything. Yeah, and... I'm starting to really love this show. Like, my mom came in and was like, what the hell are we watching? I'm like, it's like if Supernatural had a baby (laughs) with Rick and Morty, and then they put Uh it on Disney Channel. That's a that's a pretty good yeah yeah I like it and also I like that it kind of pulls the Scooby Doo technique of what you think it is isn't the whole time so it's actually something else except instead of revealing like oh no the evil zombie boyfriend was a, a normal dude all along instead they're like it's gnomes <laughs> gnomes mm-hmm. they're scary the, the gnomes were probably the scariest thing I've seen this season. But, I mean, 
everything in that town is just a little bit frightening. Right. Like it, it presents itself as very cutesy and like, oh, look, we're a small town. How cute. And then it's like, but you'll die here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the minute anybody meets Pacifica, they'll realize that the town oh. is fucked up. Look, on my notes, the biggest thing written here is fuck Pacifica. <laughs> Britta, we, okay, this is, we have to add this to the list of things that make us the same person, because I'm looking at my notes right now, and in all caps, I've written out fuck Pacifica as well. Yeah, I just, I knew from the moment I saw her that I didn't like her, but the, like, the first time we see her, she, like, Mabel is like, whatever, it's fine. But then the second time we see her, she makes Mabel feel like complete shit. Are you talking about in the and, uh, fun episode or the go- the one where Mabel fe- gets starts feeling bad because she thinks she's silly? Yes, and I'm like, no, girl, that is your that's your glittery sparkle shine, and she will not take it from you. That that might be my favorite episode of the season so far. Like it was very it good. It was the first one that felt like it had a lot of huge stakes because I'm like, they're learning a lot of like lore about the city in this one. Right. And it also heavily featured probably one of the things I like about this show is the fact that the background characters aren't just like throw in characters they no. you know every person in this town as you keep watching the show and they're so rich and like have the most decadent backgrounds like you you can just pick one out and probably write a whole story about mm-hmm. this and uh i will say right now probably my favorite there may be one that beats him out a little bit but his name is really what gives him all of his all of my love is officer blubs no, I thought you were going to say Old Man McGucket. Old Man McGucket's good, too, but no, the fact that his name is Blubs, it just, it killed me. And the fact that the two, like, authority figures in the town are just garbage at their jobs no. just gave me so much <laughs> life. I love how Gravity Falls does that. Like, they're, I feel, and I might just be making stuff up right now, but I feel like that they, they're like, yeah, please don't do shit. Yeah, that's all it is, is 100. Is Officer Blubs here. What's up? Blubs is my favorite word. Another thing that I came to love about this is, like, the attention to detail that goes into like it it spawned from me thinking about the fact that oh wow you really do know all of these background characters and they flesh this out really well but also like the consistency between episodes yes like whereas some shows will just be like oh that was a storyline for that episode now we're going to move on to something else like in the um it was the episode after the wax figure episode where, um, it's the Gideon episode, where he gets, oh shit, what's the guy who works at the newspaper's name? Oh man, you know what? I don't remember his name, that's terrible, but he's so forgettable, even in the show, like. He he has the best pun of a name, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but yeah, he gets, uh, when Gideon gets him to call, uh, Dipper, Dipper in the middle of it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm sorry for accusing you of murder like a few weeks ago. And I'm like, oh wow, they actually remembered all of this. And, you know, the show, it feels like a solid train moving forward as opposed to a bunch of small intercollected episodes. His name is Toby Determined, by the way. Yes, Toby Determined. But in under his 
thing on Wikipedia, it says other names, Freak of Nature, Little Man, The Raz Dazzler, Bodacious to Tony. <laughs> <laughs> the Raz Dazzler. <laughs> Oh my god, I love... That's what I love about this show is how much it's willing to go... Okay, so, like, the best way I could say is, like, this show, because I think they're friends, is kind of like a sister show of Rick and Morty, except every opportunity Rick and Morty took to get really cynical about things, this show went the opposite and made it a lot sillier and happy. Right, and that I, that's what I love so much about it, and I think the thing, like, I connect so much with Mabel and she I feel like she is what brings the like silly and happy Brenna I'm not gonna lie we started watching I think it was like episode five because I was like hey dad can I watch this because we have to talk about on the show tonight yeah sure Mabel came on screen and my dad after two seconds of her talking went well that's Brenna right oh dad (laughs) I was like yes it is dad oh I uh, just (laughs) This show also is one of the shows that uh, I add on to my list of shows that are begging to be made into a parody t-shirt. So there oh, may God. be a a new shirt on merch.aloadofpurebs.com with me as Dipper and you as uh, Mabel. That sounds great. I will buy that. Yes! <laughs> See, here's the thing, and we were talking about this earlier. Dipper is like a surprisingly deep character. He is. He's he's got he's got some stuff going on in that little noggin of his stamped with a little dipper scar or birthmark, whatever was on his forehead. <laughs> when Voldemort tried to bring Harry him Potter. down. <laughs> exactly. Um well, see with me, Dipper is like the perfect example of a dude that age. Like any kid that age is gonna be exactly like Dipper, and I feel like that's what makes him so connected. Cause at that pushing towards pubescent stage that he's at right you you have that fragile masculinity where you're just you every dumb shit that happens because of him happens because of like fragile masculinity like all of the ghosts taking over the um abandoned gas station that was because he was afraid he was gonna look scared and not manly so he laid down and then ghosts (laughs) happened the the entire thing with uh him running into the woods and finding the manatars that was all because of fragile masculinity and all that bullshit that every dude ever goes through at that age and i'm like they nailed it with him yeah i think well the creator based him and mabel a lot on him and his real twins so that's probably why yeah that's that's really cool. Like, that was... That's why I started to love Dipper, even though he's such a little shit. Oh, bless him. He's just trying to make it in this confusing supernatural world. Well, no, the only time where he really pushed my buttons and I almost, almost turned on Dipper was when he forced Mabel to lose yes. Waddles. yes. I was so depressed, like, I I just, well, I mean, because we're the same person, I was just like, but, but the pig, but, but, but the pig, but Pacifica's gonna eat Waddles? Because <laughs> you know she wasn't gonna keep him as a pet. She was just like, I found a bacon dinner, yeah. I mean, shit, like, it, it, Wendy's like, so much older than him, get over it. 
I also like, well, it's only like three years. Yeah, I'm just being mean because I was really upset about Waddles. I think that's also an episode that kind of shows the depth of Mabel as well, because like, you do kind of assume the same thing Dipper thinks, which is, oh, she'll be over this in a week, because she is that kind of bounce from thing to thing person, but then it kind of reveals the depth of how much she loves and cares about people, because as it, he's like, oh, I'm gonna go out in a month. Oh no, even after a month, she's still there and she's still depressed. Covered in vines and snails, like... That was fucked up. I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on, guys. But it's all okay now, and Waddles is home safe. Mm -hmm. Can I just say, Robbie, is it... uh, The fact that T.J. Miller voices Robbie made him Mm -hmm. instantly more hateable to me. Yeah, I thought that too, because I was thinking to myself, just looking at him, you know, like, I would have been attracted to him in, like, high school, because he's an emo boy. But, yeah, the voice just ruined it for him. And he's a jerk, but still. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, TJ Miller has definitely turned in my head from, like, oh, this kind of funny, goofy guy, to, um... Yeah, that's the exact noise. (laughs) Oh, man, damn it. I will still cheer him on in Big Hero 6, though, because at that point, he's no longer the character. The the character has stolen the voice of TJ Miller. I forgot about that. That's sad. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's really fucking sad. I was like, come on, he was my favorite. He's a good, good boy, but we'll just have to separate the two. That's just it. Yeah, that, that that's it. That's the only other thing. Another thing I noticed that they do, and I don't know if this was conscious or not, but have you noticed that they never say the term like, oh, you've got a crush on her, or oh, you're crushing on uh, Wendy or whatever? They always say you're falling in love with her. No, no. I mean, I'm only one-fourth of the way through the show, so it may change further on, but I noticed, like, this thing of they refuse to ever say the kids have crushes or the kids have, like, puppy love. They always take it straight to, you're falling in love with her. Oh, that's really sweet. And then when she talked to Grunkle Stan about him having a crush on uh, Lazy Susan, it was, oh, you're crushing on her or something like that. And that's when I realized it's because that kind of crush feeling is so much stronger in, like, a 12-year-old than it is in an adult. So an adult, it's perfectly fine to be like, oh, you've got a crush on her. You want to, like, take her out on a date. Meanwhile, with Dipper, we learn Wendy's, like, his everything. Yeah. So, no, he's not crushing. Dude's in love. Oh, that's a really deep, like, insight that, no, I did not catch. (laughs) <laughs> but hey, that's just a theory. Well, a Gravity Falls theory. I like it. Thanks for listening, guys. Anyway. <laughs> this has been fun fiction. Good night. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching a lot of game theory, and I've just been, every once in a while, I'll just quietly be walking around my house and just be like, that's just a theory. Oh my a god. game theory. <laughs> no. Oh, man. So do you have a personal favorite character of them all? Oh, my God. (laughs) Mabel. (laughs) Oh, that's right. We have talked about that. I mean, I am Dipper, and that's why I can't make Dipper my favorite character. How does that work? I'm being selfish. I can say things. Because I I I don't like myself as much as I like, Yo, what's up, dude? 
Zeus is the fucking best. Like, where he just random. We've had friends like Zeus who just kind of shows up and is like, Yeah, I got a boat. Yeah, let's go out on a boat, dude. All right, Zeke. Or Zeus. Shit. Oh my god. He's a good, good boy. I feel like the show needed more Zeus, really. Because at it, it, first, in the beginning, it kind of felt like a they run away from Grunkle Stand to hang out with Zeus. And then the, as the show goes on, Zeus becomes a background character. And that made me so sad. I want more Zeus in my life. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like they were making him a background character. I just feel like maybe... Because there's, there's episodes where he's more in focus maybe you just didn't get to them yeah i'm i'm at like episode 10 right now but no there's like a weird shift in these first 10 episodes where it's very zeus heavy and then it shifts to a lot of wendy heavy well i mean we gotta focus on wendy sometime because she's important she's the best and she's beautiful She's fantastic, and I love her. And, <laughs> exactly. oh, I'm sorry, that's, that's my Denver coming out. Yeah. I just think she's neat. I think she's nifty. Um, now, I w- dude, some of the guest stars they got on this show, too, it, are yeah. crazy. Like, uh, Nathan Fillion was Pacifica's dad. Oh, that's right. That's one. And then... Um, Nathan... Or not Nathan Fillion, the one you just said. Um, yeah. Coolio just randomly in that one episode was it really blew my mind and it took me off guard just enough for the Larry King one to take me off my feet. (laughs) I was like, did they get actual Coolio? Oh wow, they did. Wait, that's fucking Larry King. I mean, they're doing the thing. And then I fell out of my chair. Yeah, a majority of the first few episodes I've got somewhat of a grasp on, but I did watch them at work with my phone hidden, so <laughs> it's gonna be a little bit more cloudy in my head. That's okay. Well, you'll get there. Yeah. And then, dude, I don't know. I really do enjoy the fact that not only are there real horrible things happening in Gravity Falls, but also apparently there's fake horrible things as well. Like the second episode where it's revealed that fucking old man, uh, Wow, shit. I, I always want to call him Old Man Jenkins. <laughs> but where it's revealed that he was controlling the sea monster the whole time, and you're like, wait, yes. hold on. Pick pick where you want it to come from, show. Do you want it to be actually supernatural, or you want to Scooby-Doo it up? And they're like, no, it can be both. No, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you have to spend the whole time thinking, well, is this a real threat, or am, is this just for giggles? Like. Mm-hmm. Or is it just little old me? Little old Gideon. <laughs> little old Gideon. I swear to God, I don't know if I like him or his dad more, because his dad makes me think of, like, if PJ from <laughs> Goof Troop just, like, grew up. And, and then the, had a Gideon. Yeah, that's how that's how he would be. Like, yeah. the the... Uh, whatever his dad, Pete, the Pete gene would definitely pass down to his children. Oh shit, and that's why Gideon's such a little dick, is he got the Pete gene. He got the Pete gene. <laughs> I can buy you, old man. <laughs> yeah, that, that part probably solidified Gideon as one of my favorite moments of the season. Oh, he's such an adorable little fucking. And I don't know if it's the fact that I grew up in the South, but I do love 
how almost southern it is. Yeah. Like, it's just got that rural taste in the accents that I like. He is so much, like, where did they come from? They're the most, well, I say the most southern, and then there's old man McGucket, who's, like, making (laughs) potions in the back of, like, the junkyard. So, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Whittle old me. uh, Yeah. I cannot wait to see, because, like, most of the time for these, I'll watch it up until the episode comes out, and then I'll be like, okay, I've done my work. I don't have to pay attention anymore. I'm gonna fucking finish Gravity Falls. Like, I need to. I need, mostly because it's like the Castiel syndrome that I know we're gonna (laughs) talk about when we do a Supernatural episode, which is, wait a minute... There's this character everyone talks about and how cool they are and how, like, iconic they are in relation to the series, but he's not here. And that would be Bill Cipher in my case. And I'm like, I, I gotta keep going till I meet Bill. Yeah, you just gotta. Much like for four fucking seasons, I had to wait to find Castiel. It's worth the wait, Scottford. It re- well, you could probably skip, like, season one. Uh, no. Humble beginnings. There's some really scary ass episodes in season one, and funny episodes. But yeah. well, this is not the supernatural episode. No, I digress. Why do we always try to turn it into supernatural? Brenda, no, straight up. When I started looking up fan fiction, I, my my hand was hovering over the crossovers to search for supernatural X Gravity Falls fan fiction. I'm like, no, no, I've already done it. I've done it enough. I, I know. Can't. I thought the same thing. I keep trying to like not do the same thing, but it's so tempting to just want to be like, especially <laughs> with this show, this show, it would have been perfect. Yeah. I mean, well, because I just imagine Sam and Dean coming in and just like fucking shit up. Cause they, <laughs> And Dipper just being like, hey, it would be, it would be like if, if Angus like tried to step to the Winchester brothers and just like, hey, um, I have this book of, and they're like, no. Hello, sirs. What exactly. the hell is that thing? Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, well, but th- this isn't Supernatural, but this is a plug for the merch site. Merch.alonecoolbeats.com. Oh That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to get merch for this show, including probably a Gravity Falls shirt that will... Fuck! I didn't talk about my favorite thing in the show. Well, just stop your... Uh, what's it called? Your uh, plug. And let us know. It's the intro. It is beautiful. There are very few, like, even Stranger Things, which has, like, a 10-second intro of just, like, it's fucking Stranger Things, I'd still hit skip. I watch the intro every single time, just, like, enjoying how smooth the animation is and how perfect everything flows together. I don't know why, but the intro to this show is fantastic. Well, you know, my favorite, this is so, I am a ridiculous human, but... The very end of it, like that noise that sounds like it's a, a TV turning off, an old one, you know, is my favorite noise in the world. I like to hear it. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, I thought you, I thought you meant the ding. No. Well, it's like it's the power down and then the ding. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about then. Anyways, yeah. com. <laughs> if you want access to some dope ass merch... For fun fiction, a load of BS, Fight Boys, or any of your favorite BS network programming, you can get it at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. Soon to have a dope-ass fun fiction falls shirt. Can't wait.
Mm-hmm. So, B, we've talked about the show, we've talked about our loves, we've talked about Whittle Me, Me, <laughs> and it's now time to get into the fan fiction. What have you brought to the table for us today? Well, I have brought Tin Can Telephone by Problematic Pines. Okay. And don't be worried by the username, because there's nothing problematic about this fiction. Oh, okay. it's all right. I took care of that for No, us. you didn't. Please tell me you didn't. <laughs> anyway, tell me about this thing. We're going to end this podcast right now if you have picked up on the twincest, I swear to God. No, no, I even I wouldn't do it. I felt weird reading ones that were like Dipper X Wendy, and I'm like, Okay. That fits in the show, and I still don't like it. <laughs> All right, I will proceed then. Siblings can be pretty close, whether this be due to similar That's interests. That's not a good opening. That's not a good hey. opening of after being like no twin sets. Just roll with it, okay? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Whether this be due to similar interests or a similar age range or merely living in the same house as one another, there's no dying that the vast majority of siblings form some kind of bond in early childhood that solidifies their relationship later in life. Some are maddened by their siblings due to lack of common interests or constant constant annoyances, though there are some expectations in which said siblings are made for each other. Especially siblings born at the same time, whether this be twins or triplets or quadruplets or anything more. This was the case for young Mason and Mabel Pines. From the day they were born, they were inseparable. They were born as identical twins, with Mason having a curious birthmark on his forehead in the shape of a star constellation known as the Big Dipper. These two got along like a house on fire, if that house fire was one formed from exploding rainbows. The Pines twins were pretty much the other's lifeline. Neither went anywhere without the other. They were determined to stay together at all times. It was like they were the same person. Some theorize that twins actually are the same person, genetically divided into two, but shh, that's besides the point. They would play together, watch TV together, bathe together. They even shared the potty together when they were much too young to fully grasp social norms. Their mother immortalized such events in a scrapbook just to whip out years later and give said twins secondhand embarrassment at their insatiable codependency on one another. Their parents were overjoyed at seeing their beloved children getting along so well, and they had been the talk of the town for quite some time. Twins were pretty rare in Piedmont, California, and seeing siblings getting along so well was quite a rarity. Over time, the twins gra- gradually gained their own separate interests. Mabel, the girl, was obsessed with all things sparkly and radiant and was quite a talented artist at her age. Scrawling through pictures of rainbow splotches on paper that she said were unicorns and mermaids earned her <laughs> earned her a reputation of crude pictures of well, no, wait. Earned her a reputation of being an imaginative and eccentric child that brought a smile to the faces of all who met her. Mason, the boy, who soon went by the alias Dipper to coincide with his birthmark, was more of the studious type. He had an affinity for learning and bettering his knowledge about the world around him. Even when he and his twin sister were only just starting kindergarten, he had excelled to to the reading level of a second grader in the matter of time it had taken the other children to read through the three little pigs. Despite their differences, the Pines twins remained attached to each other's sides and, like most siblings of their caliber, developed unique quirks that only they could share. One of these such quirks was the incorporation of a tin can telephone. As the twins grew older, their parents had decided that it would would have been safer for them to have their own separate bedrooms, for previously they had been sharing one since the day they had been brought home from the hospital as squealing newborns. 
So they placed the twins in bedrooms directly beside one another. They were saddened about the split at first as they had grown accustomed to talking to one another at night until they were too sleepy to stay awake much longer. So Dipper, being a brain box of a child for his age, came up with an idea. Their bedrooms were right next to each other and their beds were even placed against the wall separating them. Dipper ended up constructing a makeshift telephone for them to talk through during the evening so that they could get used to the split. He made it out of two empty soup tins and a very long piece of string. One can was in Mabel's bedroom and the other was in Dipper's. The string was stretched along the hall between the two bedrooms. Through this, the twins would talk to each other about anything and everything, staying up for for long after their bedtimes to make sure the other was comfortable enough to fall asleep. As soon as the other end of the string went slack, the other knew they had been they had succeeded in comforting the other into sleeping soundly and would fall asleep themselves. Mabel, Dipper and Mabel spoke through their tin can telephone for years afterwards. Not every night, but most. Not every night turned into sparse nights, and until not at all. They had grown older, and they had, for the most part, outgrown childish and trivial things. Well, at least Dipper had, or at least he thought he had. He was still only 12 and had plenty of time to enjoy his youth while it lasted. Mabel was still an 8-year-old trapped in a 12-year-old's body, and Dipper had assumed it would have stayed that way until they reached a more mature age. The tin can telephone, having not served any purpose for at least a year, was scooped up and placed in Dipper's closet. He hadn't the heart to throw it out, but he also didn't want to leave it sprawled out in the hall as a potential hazard. Returning home from an unexpectedly terrifying summer in a town called Gravity Falls with their grunkle Stan Pines, the Pines twins had no idea how to perceive the world around them anymore. Prior to that summer, their lives had been so simple and straightforward, enjoying being kids, graduate high school, get jobs, get partners, settle down, have kids. That's what they expected their lives to turn out like. And yet, after seeing the terrors and the wonders and the mysteries of that strange little backwoods town in Roadkill County, Oregon, Dipper and Mabel had never been more uncertain of their futures in their lives. They thought their fates had been set in stone, blended to the crowd, and just live life. But after seeing all the possibilities the world had in store for them that they hadn't even thought existed in their wildest dreams, neither could really wrap their hands around what they were going to do. There was so much they could do, but there was so little time to be able to enjoy and experience it all. And they had nobody to talk to apart from each other now that they were back home in Piedmont, but they also had no idea how to go about that either. Which was when Dipper had another one of his great ideas. Their first night back home in their separate bedrooms after returning to California, Dipper and Mabel used the tin can telephone from their childhood for the first time in what felt like forever. They spent the whole night talking away into the dusty old cans, whispering about how they simply needed to go back to Gravity Falls and relive it all over again. They spoke about how much they'd loved it there, how much they'd been scared they'd never ever return home again, when in reality they'd never left. Piedmont may have been where they'd grown up, but Gravity Falls was their home. They knew that deep in their hearts that this was true. Gravity Falls was a part of them now, and they had no hesitations about running back at the first opportunity. Now, the twins were even older than they were back then. The tin can telephone had long since been discarded. They had no use of it now, now that they were sharing a room again. They used it to talk to each other about their innermost secrets through the density of the wall that separated them from one another when society deemed them too old to be sharing a bedroom. But now, as they lay curled up under the warm sheets of their shared bed in their shared apartment, talking to one another for what they're going to do tomorrow in the little backwoods town they called home, both of them were thankful for the tin can telephone. It really goes to show how siblings can be pretty close. The end. Oh. I know, isn't it just the sweetest? Brother.
liked it a lot. It gave you, me the worm fuzzies. You brought the sweetness. I did. Anyways, my turn. Oh, dear God. So, I went on to fanfiction.net, and I went into the Gravity Falls, and I went, I want the best fanfiction they have. So I said it, make sure to make sure it was underneath 2,000 words. As we try, make sure it was highly rated, and the number one rated thing was called Dipper Goes to Taco Bell. Oh, no. I don't know why I'm scared, but I'm scared. Well, it. someone else described it as, all I'm going to say is it's pretty much cupcakes, sweet apple massacre, and two girls, one cup rolled into one. Oh, no, Scotty. Anyways, this is Dipper Goes to Taco Bell. Okay. It was a normal day in Gravity Falls, Oregon. Well, as normal as Gravity Falls gets, anyways. Dipper Pines was reading his book, and Mabel, his twin sister, was wondering what he was doing. Dipper, you gotta keep your nose buried in that strange book of yours all summer? You gotta go out, have an adventure! Mabel exclaimed. Not now, Dipper said quietly. I'm trying to decode this. He was looking at a cryptogram that said XSLFAQBEQXZLYBII, which, by the way, when you put into a Caesar cipher and shift it by, I think, three or four letters, spells out uh, Avoid to Taco Bell. <laughs> Dipper was officially stumped. He could not figure out what it meant, and it seemed very mysterious to him. Grunkle Stan's gonna take us to the diner for lunch, Dipper! Mabel exclaimed. Dipper, however, was not in the mood for the diner. He was publicly humiliated the last time he went, and he thought the food wasn't very good anyways. Mabel, I don't want to go to the diner, Dipper said solemnly. I want to go somewhere else. But there's nothing really else in town unless you count the Taco Bell near the forest, Mabel replied. Taco Bell? Dipper's ears perked up. He had never eaten at a Taco Bell before, and ever since last week he had a craving for Mexican food for some reason. Why don't we go to Taco Bell today? Dipper asked. Taco Bell? Grunkle Stan questioned. Why'd you want to go there? It smells like the bathroom when it gets clogged. I had my heart set on pancakes, Mabel moaned. Listen, you can go to the Taco Bell if you want to, but... Uh, uh, <clears throat> sorry, this is Grunkle. Listen, you can go to the Taco Bell if you want to, but don't come crying to me when you smell like expired onions. Fine, I will, Dipper said harshly. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Grunkle Stan said, but as he was exiting the mystery shack, the door hit him on the way out. Ha 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 said Grunkle Stan. He was laughing. So anyways, Mabel and Grunkle Stan went to the diner while Dipper tried to find the Taco Bell. He had brought with him his book and a couple bucks, but finding the Taco Bell was harder than he had previously thought. He had been looking around town for what seemed like days. The mystery book wasn't helping him either, until he saw a flicker of a sign in the forest. He went into the forest. Why would there be a Taco Bell in the forest? Dipper asked himself. After hiking for about an hour, Dipper finally got to the Taco Bell, but it sure didn't look like any Taco Bell he'd ever seen. It was surrounded by a barrage of giant oak trees in an open field completely different from the rugged terrain of the Oregon forest. The open field was covered with at least three layers of pine needles, which got the attention of Dipper. He stuck his hand into the pine needles. Ow! Dipper shouted. A pine needle poked him. It hurts. The restaurant, Taco Bell, looked like a silo, sort of. Well, it was very cylindrical. The outside had rusty picnic tables, and it looked like no one used them at all. Dipper walked up to the restaurant's door. 
Should I go in there? Dipper asked himself. I'm starting to have second thoughts. Why is there a small, desolate Taco Bell in the forest miles away from the nearest road? Well, I guess it's my only option. Mabel and Grunkle Stan are probably done with the l lunch right now. And they were. Mabel wondered why Dipper hadn't come back yet, but Grunkle Stan didn't give a damn. <laughs> so Dipper entered the restaurant. But he was relieved to see that the interior was normal except for its high ceiling. There were also no customers inside, but Dipper thought that was normal considering how the franchise was so isolated. He went up to the counter. There was only one cashier working the registers, a very old, slightly deaf, bored-out-of-his-skull cashier. Dipper decided what he wanted to order, then approached the register. Uh, excuse me, I'll have- We only got tacos! The cashier interrupted. Okay, I guess I'll have a taco then, Dipper said. What'd you say? The cashier yelled. I said I want a taco! Dipper yelled back. Okay, then, the cashier said, then went back in the went to the back for a few minutes. When he came out, he was carrying Dipper's taco. That'll be one dollar, the cashier said. Dipper gave him the money and went to sit down at the least grimiest table. He bit into the hot, spicy, juicy taco filled with thick, pure meat, mild, tantalizing black beans, beans and sour, fluffy, sour cream. He enjoyed the single bite of that perfectly cooked taco and still tasted it in his mouth after he swallowed it. But as he was about to bite into it a second time, he felt a churning movement inside his body and something that he had felt often. Oh, Dipper said, then rushed to find the lavatory. Man, that really went through me, Dipper said to himself. For some reason, the bathrooms were hidden in a corner far away from the counter and far from the table he was sitting at. When he walked in, he found that the bathrooms were surprisingly clean, for a fast food restaurant anyway. And Dipper found this suspicious. All of the stalls were full and no one was using the urinals. But right on cue, someone walked out of one of the stalls. Dipper didn't pay much attention to who was walking out, but he was wearing all black and had a plastic bag with him. Dipper just had to go. He used the bathroom, and in the nick of time, he finished his taco, and he went home. Now, Brenna, this might have been slightly edited from the original version. <laughs> slightly? Because after this, in the original version... A lot of bad things happen that no one ever needs to read about. I found it. I was scrolling through, praying I could find something of interest, and was like, nope, uh-uh, can't say that on the show. Nope, definitely not doing that. Uh-uh, mm-mm. Scrolling. So no one read this fan fiction, but I just wanted to get you a feel a for taste. what- A taste! A taco taste of Dipper- And that's leading into dun ton the real fan fiction my, of the week. What? Oh, yeah. It's the first ever Los Dos Fan Ficciones. Oh, God. And this is called How the Worst Gravity Falls Fan Fiction Ever Came to Be. Oh, okay. It was a summer night in the mysterious town of Gravity Falls, Oregon. And right now, a certain evil nine-year-old so-called psychic was looking in a journal. Yodeling snails? Gideon shouted, enraged. Drat! Gideon slammed his book closed. There must be a way to get my vengeance on the Pine family. Bud Gleeful, Gideon's dad, then opened the door to his bedroom. Son, I brought you some dinner. Bud then brought out a bag that had the Taco Bell logo on it. Father, you know I don't like Mexican food. Gideon swiped the bag out of Bud's hands, threw it at the floor, and stomped on it repeatedly. Now go buy me a happy meal. Now. Yeah, yes, son. Bud nervously stammered as he quickly closed the door. Gideon heavily panted for a few seconds. Taco Bell? 
That place is one of the most most disgusting, unsanitary, and overrated fast food restaurants I have ever been to. I don't see how anyone could... Gideon stopped talking, peered at the smashed bag, then began evilly laughing. <laughs> I got it! The ultimate way to get revenge on the Dipper and Stan! Gideon walked to his desk, pulled out a laptop, and began typing. The next day, Dipper and Mabel were on a laptop, looking at all of the Gravity Falls fanfiction that was posted. Oh my god. Well, looks like some people think you and Wendy would make a cute couple, Mabel cooed. Yeah, yeah, Dipper happily replied. While going through the fanfictions, one sounded very weird. Wait, stop, Mabel shouted. Dipper stopped scrolling and looked at the fanfiction. Dipper grows to Taco Bell? Dipper asked himself. Sounds like a joke fic, Mabel suggested. Click it. Okay. <laughs> Dipper and Mabel could not believe what they just read. Dipper ran towards the bathroom while Mabel crawled to the corner of the room. Goodbye, childhood. Goodbye, childhood. Goodbye, childhood. Goodbye, childhood. Mabel kept saying while rocking back and forth in the corner. Meanwhile, Dipper was throwing up in the toilet. Why would... Why would somebody write that? Gideon was looking in the building through the window. Well... Poor Mabel has gone insane, but Dipper is suffering. I knew it would work. The end. Oh, it was just little old him. It's just little old me who wrote it. Nice. So, yeah, that was, it, it was a legitimately weird thing because it was like the number one thing was the one I read first, the edited version of Dipper Goes to Taco Bell. And I was like, why the hell? Is this number one? There's got to be more to this. So I googled it and then realized, like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm so frightened of what was left out. But Don't touch it. Like, that's okay. Cupcakes kind of has, like, this weird, almost masochistic humor to reading it. Yeah. This don't. Like, Ugh. this is just bad all around. Like, the worst possible thing you could read. Have you ever heard the aristocrats joke? No. Um, well, essentially, it was a joke that's, like, a really garbage joke. It's not funny at all. And the reason why it becomes funny is the people telling it start adding in, like, this overly grotesque humor that eventually just kind of becomes, like, a, let me put it this way. The one person who's told it better than anyone else is Bob Saget. So uh, that just shows you how disgusting this shit's going to be. Okay, I'll take your word for it. That's so that's that's where Dipper goes to Taco Bell is. So no right. one, no one fucking read this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know what they, you know what they should do instead, Brenna? What should they do instead, Scotty? They should have people read to them. <gasps> what a novel idea. Using audible.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Audible.com is the website where you get access to hundreds of thousands of audiobooks. And if you use our special code at audibletrial.com slash BS Network, you'll get a free 30-day trial of Audible. You can get access to any of my audiobooks on there. Or, Brenna, Brenna what are you jamming to on well, the Audible 1-2s? Me, I am jamming to the sweet, sweet sounds of To Kill a Kingdom by Alexandra Christo. 
You know my favorite thing about how much you read and do shit is the fact that I'm like, every week she's going to have something ready. She's going to have something ready. Girl, I got a repertoire of books. That's right. So if you want access to any of those or any books you'd like, go to audibletrial.com slash bsnetwork. It supports us. You get stuff for free. It's win-win. But now, Brenna, it's time to crack into your story. Yes, and I know you're probably, like, biting your nails because, hi, it's me, Brenna, the drama queen, but... what? I, I-, thought, it was, I thought you were going to be like, it's me, Brenna, author of Dipper Goes to Taco Bell. Yes, that's my other name. Uh, but I actually wrote something pretty, pretty light for once. Um, but I will say, you said you only made it to episode 10. I'm fine with spoilers, I don't care. Well, I was just going to tell you, there's there's episode 12 is uh, about Summerween, which is Halloween, but in June. Um, okay. And this is set after the aftermath of Summerween, which did not go well. Um, okay. And also, are, do you watch Buffy? I don't, but I will one day, because I know we're going to do an episode on it. All right, because it's a crossover. Um so, yeah, here we go. Woo! <laughs> Dipper awoke with a start, his twin bouncing on his bed. He sat up a little too quickly, stomach lurching from the candy he ate the night before. He reached out a hand to swipe at Mabel, but she kept jumping out of his reach. She giggled, falling to her knees. I'm ready for my surprise, Dipper. Where is it? Dipper groaned. He had promised Mabel a big surprise last night after almost ruining their summer wean. They had been finishing their pilfered score of candy and she had demanded to go to bed instantly so that she could wake up and it be tomorrow. He should have known she would wake him up like this. He ran a hand through his hair. What time is it, Mabel? She made a big show of rolling up her lime green sweater sleeve to reveal a glittering sphere on her wrist. She stared hard at it, squinting and tilting her head this way and that. She looked up at him. Well, if my watch is correct, it's kitty time! Mabel showed him her arm, which was adorned with a bright pink sticker that read, Check me out. Dipper rolled his eyes, but he smiled in spite of himself. He threw his covers to the side, springing out of bed and grabbing his watch. The time read 7.02 a.m. Mabel, I hate to tell you this, but your surprise doesn't open for another two hours. She groaned, sinking to her back. She spread out her arms and legs and proceeded to make a blanket angel. When she had finished, she slowly wormed her way to the floor, slouching and grumbling under her breath. She fell to the floor and curled up in a ball. I hate waiting. Dipper grabbed Waddles off of her bed and settled him on top of Mabel. She wrapped her arms around him and gave him a small Eskimo kiss. He squealed in approval, nosing her back with the tiniest of grunts. Waddles snuggled against her face, snorting snorting in her face and snuffling into her ear, making her squirm and laugh. Dipper smiled, faintly proud at turning his sister's mood around. She stood up, nestling Waddles into the crook of her arm. He chewed absentmindedly on a plate of bacon and eggs that was embroidered on the front of her sweater. She gasped, lifting the pig into the air and in front of her face. Waddles, you can't eat that. No pig of mine is going to be a cannibal. Let's go downstairs and see if we can find some pancakes instead. Mabel sat the pig down on the floor and raised her eyes to meet her brothers. Let's go see if Uncle Stan made breakfast. They trudged downstairs, a sweet and slightly burnt smell wafting through the air, growing stronger with each step. Summerwing candy wrappers littered the floor and carved watermelons beginning to rot in the heat around the cabin. Waddles sat down in front of one, sticking a tongue into the jack-o'-melon's eye and lapping up the juices inside happily. The twins looked around the kitchen, trying to pinpoint the scent. They finally caught sight of Stan, who was flipping a brown circle up in the air. 
He caught it in the frying pan, whistling as he worked. Mabel and Dipper looked at each other, then at Stan, then at each other again, and raised their shoulders into, into a synchronized shrug. They sat down at the table, and Stan turned toward them. Kids, good news, I've made breakfast. The twins high-fived and cheered. Dipper sighed with relief. I'm so glad we're going to have real food. I swear I ate so much candy last night, I don't think I'll ever eat it again. Stan tossed two plates down on the table, and something that looked suspiciously like pancakes and yet totally different stared up at them. Literally, it gazed into their eyes with shining white peppermints and grinned at their horror with a mouth made from twisting black licorice. Dipper poked the concoction with his fork and, stuck, and it stuck to the prongs like glue. He shook his arm, but the dish did not relent. Mabel, ever the curious, courageous soul, stuck her tongue out and licked the blob. Grunkle Stan, is this chocolate? Stan smiled proudly. Not just any chocolate. This is made from at least 40 Tootsie Rolls that I painstakingly rolled out and fried for just for you two kids. It would be a shame to let all of that loser candy go to waste. Eat up. Dipper's stomach lurched again, and when he looked over at Mabel to gauge her reaction, he saw that she had already devoured hers. She looked at his plate longingly. Without saying a word, he pushed his candy towards her. She raised a fist into the air in triumph. She surveyed her surroundings and huffed. Stan returned his attention to her. What is it, kid? Mabel sighed and traced her finger on the plate. I hate to complain, but this could really use some syrup. Stan <clears throat> smiled broadly. You're in luck. He took a pot off the stove and slammed it in front of Mabel. He presented her with a ladle and ruffled her hair. Mabel scooped up the liquid and it fell lazily on top of the makeshift pancake. She squeaked in delight. What is this, Grunkle Stan? Boiled candy corn? Melted wax Coke bottles? Stan laughed and joined the twins at the table. Of course not, kid. That's just maple syrup. After finishing, finishing breakfast, the three of them walked into the living room and turned on a rerun of Cash Wheel. After the ninth cash shower, Mabel hopped up and grabbed Dipper's face. She smushed his cheeks together and brought her forehead to his. Do you know what time it is? Dipper gl glanced down at his watch and it read 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. He looked up at his great uncle and made his eyes go wide and watery. He had been practic practicing his begging look for just such an occasion. He cleared his throat. Stan didn't even ra raise an eyebrow. Mabel stamped her foot impatiently, crossing her arms. Dipper tried again, adding a cough. A fly flew into his open mouth, catching in his throat. He hacked and spit and clutched his throat. <clears throat> Mabel took off her shoe and tossed it at Dipper's back. It made contact, lurching him forward and knocking over Stan's Tyrannosaurus skull end table. The pit cola that was resting atop it tumbled over, spilling onto the floor. Stan's head snapped to the mess. My cola! His head rotated slowly to face Dipper and Mabel. Dipper laughed awkwardly, rubbing the back of his neck. So, Stan... Stan shook his head, picking up the now empty can. Whatever favor you're about to ask me for? No. He crunched the can in his fist and threw it behind his armchair. Dipper rubbed his, rubbed his chin, thinking hard. He snapped his fingers and drew closer to Stan's, Stan's form. He opened his mouth, then remembered Mabel was standing behind him. He wheeled around to see her putting her shoe back on. Mabel, will you go get Stan another pit? She sighed and lumbered into the kitchen. Once she was out of earshot, Dipper raced to Stan's side. Stan, listen, it's the day after Summerween. I bet that all the stuff at the Summerween Superstore are at least 50% off. <gasps> hey, maybe even since Seuss drove through the front door, it'll be a closeout sale. Think of how many oil drums of fake blood you can buy. Dipper could almost see Stan's eyes melt into dollar signs. He stood up and opened his robe, revealing his black suit. He fished the keys out of one of the front pockets and tossed them to Dipper. Start the car while I down this pit cola your sister is bringing to me. Dipper exited through the kitchen, meeting Mabel in the process. He smiled at her, throwing her a thumbs up. Her eyes narrowed until she saw the keys dangling in from his index finger. 
She gasped excitedly and hurried into the living room. Soon after, they were on the road. Mabel was humming a several times tune, holding her head out of the window. When the car stopped, she had to shake the sunlight's glare from her eyes to make out the shop. Stan took the key out of the ignition and his left eyebrow crept up his forehead. The building that sat in their view was the same shape as the Summerween Superstore, yet the towering bat that had perched on the roof of the giant building was gone, and so too was the yellowing banner tied across the front with its bleeding red letters. It looked pristine and unnatural, especially considering that it had that it had a gaping hole in lieu of a doorway the last time the twins had laid eyes on it. Neon blue letters glittered in the morning sun, welcoming the trio to Ethan's costume shop. Mabel exited the car, her face frozen into an, an unreadable stare. Dipper scrambled his way out of the door, rushing to her side. Now, Mabel, this isn't exactly what I had in mind. Mabel pushed a finger against his lips, effectively cutting off the, his train of thought. Her eyes went wide with wonder and awe, and she grabbed her twin shoulders with force. He muttered an exclamation of pain, and a small tinny sound made its way from the back of her throat, turning into a scream of delight. What are you talking about, Dipper? This is perfect. A costume shop? You want to get costumes for Halloween, don't you? This is amazing. She took off running for the shop, and Dipper and Stan exchanged a glance. Stan sighed. This looks too new to have any sales. Dipper's great-uncle hung his head and stuffed his wallet back into his into his back pocket, buttoning the top. He trudged behind Mabel, and Dipper followed, keeping a hand on his secret journal. It was a nervous habit. Its worn spine tickled the ends of his fingers, and he relaxed his shoulders. Costume shopping, he murmured to himself. This is going to be horrible. A soft bell chimed as the door opened. The air wafting through the opening was dull and musty, like a, like piles of clothes that have sat unworn and accompanies only by mothballs and sadness. Dipper scrunched his nose. Smells like your bedroom in here, Stan. Stan swiped it at him absentmindedly, taking in the rows of costumes that had replaced the kitschy summer ween baubles and trinkets. He scratched his chin, musing. They put up all this stuff super fast. I wonder who the owners hired. I'd love to pay them less to revamp the mystery shack. With that, Stan shuffled off into the store, leaving his great-nephew paralyzed near the doorway. Dipper scanned the room for his sister, who he assumed must by now be impossibly lost in this grand maze of a costume shop. He heard a throat clear behind him, and he whirled around, only to be standing inches away from a stranger. He was older, but not as old as Stan. He had short brown hair that was artfully slicked back away from his face. He was dressed a little too nicely for a costume shop, or for the whole town, if Dipper was honest. A name tag hung from the pocket of the short sleeve button-up. It simply read, Rain. The man smiled broadly, looking less friendly and more predatory. He knelt down to Dipper's level. Hi there, boy. What brought you into my shop today? Dipper stuttered, flitting his eyes past the man trying to find Stan. He was sure he had been right next to him a moment ago. An awkward silence passed, and Dipper let the question go unanswered. The man was still smiling his smile that rem reminded Dipper of a shark with its mouth ready to snap. He wanted away from him. Have you seen a girl who looks like me? The man stood up then, thinking. He clapped his hand together and spoke. Small, brunette, stickers on her face, wearing mismatched bright colors. This description of his sister made Dipper grin. He nodded. The man pointed towards the left, the sleeve of his shirt snaking up his arm to reveal a dark black tattoo. It looked like a squiggly black arrow that had impossibly grown arms and was reaching towards the sky. Dipper pointed at it, curious. Is that a Pokemon? The man laughed, pulling his sleeve down and lowering his arm in one swift motion. Never you mind, kid. Your sister is over in our twin section. A twin section? Dipper wondered to himself. That's pretty specific. He turned to the direction the man had pointed and then realized he hadn't thanked him. Thank you. He stopped short, turning around to see that the man was no longer there. 
A wave of goosebumps traveled from his arms to his neck, and he shivered despite the heat of June. He made his way to the left, calling out as he went, Mabel? 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 He heard her before he saw her. Clothing hooks were clattering to the ground, and the Dream Boy High Credit song was floating through the air, carried by her booming voice. He wasn't sure how he hadn't heard her sooner. Maybe the costume's muffled sound? He rounded a corner and saw it. A huge sign proclaiming, Twin sections, two for the price of two. Mabel was ankle-deep in discarded costume ideas. He could see two furry brown suits that he could pretty much assume were Chip and Dale, blue dresses trimmed in white lace that were stained with red droplets, and a blue lightsaber tangled up with a brown side-bun hairpiece that were discarded randomly throughout the pile. She flung something in his direction, still unaware that he had approached. It was a short red wig, and he caught it on instinct. Having fun, Mabel? She jumped, letting loose a tiny scream. Dipper, they have a section just for twin costumes. How cool is that? This is the best surprise ever. She picked up a red wig of her own, placing the long curls atop her own hair. She shook her head, tossing it aside, too. Dipper threw the wig he had snatched from the air alongside it. What are you looking for? Mabel had gone quiet. In her hands were clutched a long piece of yellow fabric. At one end, Dipper could see a dog's head. The eyes were cut out so that the wearer could see, but the face had a long yellow snout topped with a bulbous purple nose. There were sporadic brown spots covering the dog's ears, face, and stomach. Dipper moved closer. How is that a twin costume? Mabel turned around slowly, her eyes big and excited. Dipper waited to see the tail of the animal, but it never came. Instead, Mabel presented the opposite end of the costume to him, a yellow cat's head with a small red nose. (laughs) Mabel held it out to her twin, nearly gasping with excitement. Her voice was lowered in reverence as she spoke. It's perfect. Dipper shook his head vehemently. How would we even wear that, Mabel? There's only two set of leg holes, not sure if you've noticed, but we have four limbs, each. Her face fell, and she traced the ground with her foot. I guess Halloween is just going to be as big of a disappointment as Summerween was. She sniffled and turned around to put the costume back on the rack. Dipper watched as she moved almost comically slow, and he knew that she knew what he would say next. Fine. Mabel jumped for joy and hugged her brother, the long animal costume crushed between their forms. They headed towards the door, towards the front of the store and found Grunkle Stan standing near the doorway. You kids ready to go? Mabel held up her treasure, face set in begging mode. Can we get this, Grunkle Stan? Stan shrugged, not even looking at the costume. He stepped up to the counter to pay, and the owner chuckled. Good choice. He winked at Mabel conspiratorially and wrapped up the transaction with a smile. The trio exited the shop and headed back to the shack. As soon as they had left, the stranger laughed out loud, stepping from behind the counter into a back room. There sat an ancient marble bust of a Roman god of change and transition. A male face stared back at the man while a female face was facing the back of the the back wall of the storage room on the other side of the effigy. It was surrounded by a plethora of candles looking like some sort of shrine. Janus, the world that de- denies thee, thou inhabit. The peace that ignores thee, thou corrupt. Chaos as ever, I am your faithful, degenerate son, Ethan Rain. He looked up from the sculpt- sculpture then, and his eyes were a brilliant, shining green. He blinked and it disappeared, but it was replaced by the smi- smile that would follow Dipper into his darkest nightmares. He imagined the chaos on Halloween night when he would speak the spell aloud that would take every costume bought from his supply and bring that character into reality. He envisioned children transforming into vampires and zombies battling a thirst for blood and brains. He thought of their prey next, children like the twins who had just left who would be fused together as some sort of 
feline-canine hybrid. He bowed to the statue as he heard a ding at the front door, signaling that he had more customers. Just four short months until we can try again, and then Gravity Falls will know true fear. The end. Oh, that was really good. And you didn't make me feel like existential <laughs> dread. Yeah, I felt like I was due for like a, a sort of happy one at least. And I couldn't, I, I really just couldn't bring myself to kill anybody in this show. So Yeah. Um, other than just like a very lengthy one about killing Pacifica. Yeah, but you know what? That didn't even cross my mind. I was just like, fuck that bitch, she's out. <laughs> also, I did enjoy a nice Google search during that of just like fucking Buffy costume shop. Okay, that's oh. what she's talking about. I'm so, I knew you went quiet and I was like, he's doing something. So you were doing your research. I'm so proud. I was researching. Good boy. Oh, uh, and I'm excited, Brenna, because next week we're. Mm, Okay, we need to make a decision, because we always say what we're doing next week, ask for submissions, and we may have a problem. What is the problem? Well, um, our original idea for next week was to do the new hit Tom Hardy film, Venom. Oh, when does that come out? It will come out uh, the something. Oh, wow, you're helpful. The fifth, I think. Okay. Here's the problem. A, we wouldn't be able to record at normal time, so scheduling would be weird. B, I've heard a lot of stuff about Venom possibly not being good. Well, well we like, can... <laughs> They're pulling the no one can... Like, Ready Player One, they were like, we know this is going to be good. We're going to do advanced screenings like a week before. This one, the advanced screening, swear to God, happens on the Wednesday before the movie comes out. Which is usually huh. what they do when they're like, oh, this, this ain't going to be good. Well, we can do something else. So, our choices are Venom. We could possibly do Venom, which I have heard does include a dance scene. Mm. Uh-huh. Which, I mean, I guess they didn't learn from Spider-Man 3. So we can do Venom, or we can do his, uh, his opposite, his perennial rival, Spider-Man, in the form of Spider-Man Homecoming. Let's do that. All right, so everyone make sure to send in your fan fiction for next week's episode, which will be Spider-Man Homecoming, and maybe <laughs> Venom will happen sometime in the future if it actually turns out to be good. Yeah, I'm real scared, because Venom's one of my favorites. <laughs> He's literally probably one of my favorite characters in the entire Marvel Universe, and I am terrified right now. Um, so, Brenna, where can they find you on the internet? Guys, come look me up pretty much everywhere. Fan fiction, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want at Brennasaur, B-R-E-N-N-A-S-A-U-R. And you can find me crying outside of the Venom premiere <laughs> on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, or buy all my books on Amazon, the Queasel Corp Trilogy, BS versus the Gods, or get them on Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash BS Network is where you can go to support us, or you can support us, of course, at merch.aloadofpurebs.com or on 
Patreon. We need some fanatics to get on the uh, BS Network Patreon at patreon.com slash a load of BS. You can get shouted out on the show. We'll say your name. Say my name. Say my name. Give us money and then I'll say your name. You know what? I was also thinking that if they did that, maybe we could use their name in a fan fiction. Well, that's now a thing that's going to happen, fanatics. <laughs> your name could get put into our fan fictions as well. If you I support. might kill you, so <laughs> you'll get killed by Brenna if you donate at patreon.com slash a load of BS. So check that out. Check out all the other network programs at a load of pure BS dot com. And then, of course, make sure to follow us for all of our updates at a load of pure BS on Twitter, and of course, make sure to give us all the feedback we want, uh, or you want, I guess, will work as well. <laughs> we want it, please. I'm desperate for attention. Yeah, we got people on Twitter every single week just telling us, like, hey, Digimon is better than Pokemon, go eat a dick, and I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Good old Joe. Yeah, I doubt we could do a whole episode on the Digimon movie, because it would be nothing but me singing All Star for 20 minutes. Oh my god. Uh, so make sure to send in all of all of that. Rate us on iTunes. Subscribe. But until next time, Brenna. Stay away from Widow O'Healer.